As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Day Football Podcast. This is episode 21. It's Monday. I am absolutely pumped to get back on the podcast hype. Anyway, on today's episode, we're going to go through the news. Then we're going to move on to a little bit of Lewandowski talk. Then talk into Milan and finish off with a Manchester United striking crisis. And then finish off previewing the Champions League games uh, on Tuesday evening. Anyway, let's get this party started. So first up, the news. Uh, Naby Keita uh, collapsed following a game against Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. Um, It was down to exertion, you know, too much work and potential heart condition underlying the issue. But it's a sad thing for a player that I've been a massive fan of this season in terms of his work in central midfield or whether he plays on the left-hand side, right-hand side. He's been one of the most complete players in the Bundesliga this season and has been a fantastic asset for Leipzig. So get well soon, Naby Keita. Moving on to Spain, uh, Barcelona lost to Deportivo, giving the advantage to Real Madrid in the title race, who again were saved by a Sergio Ramos header. How many times have we said that? Last week we broke it down. How many times he saved them in the last few years and he's done it once again. He's got an incredible scoring record. In fact, for Real Madrid, he scored more goals uh, for Real than Ruvan Nistelrooy, um, Figo, Zinedine Zidane, David Beckham and Gareth Bale, which is absolutely incredible for a centre-half. Finishing off with the news, United have got a striking crisis with Zlatan Ibrahimovic suspended, Martial and Rooney injured and Rashford ill. Who's going to play up top? But luckily, on today's show, we're going to answer that on the third talking point. Who should replace um, those players up front for Manchester United? There's some interesting options out there. But anyway, first up, let's talk Lewandowski. So on to number one, the first talking point of today's podcast is Lewandowski the best number nine in world football, the best striker. So we we eradicate Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo because they're pretty much legends of the game and they are that good at goal scoring that we've got to take them in a separate category. But is Lewandowski the best number nine? So I'm 
considering we're with two other players in terms of best number nines in world football right now, Gonzalo Higuain and I'd probably say Luis Suarez uh, makes up that trio. So we've got Lewandowski, Higuain and Luis Suarez. Quite frankly, I'm not sure who the best one is, but I'm going to give you a little bit of an argument of why I think Lewandowski could be number one. So first up at the weekend, uh, Bayern Munich faced up against Frankfurt on uh, Saturday. Frankfurt, a team that have done very well this season. Um, they've you know, surprised absolutely everyone playing a 3-4-3 system with a number of uh, top performances from some stars, unknown stars. But Bayern Munich um, you know, blew them away, three goals to nil. Lewandowski grabbing his brace. In fact, his 99th and 100th goal for Bayern Munich and his 39th and 40th of the season. Lewandowski has been in red-hot form so far for Bayern. In terms of what Lewandowski has been um, as a striker, we're going to talk a little bit about his evolution uh, from his days at, at Borussia Dortmund under Jurgen Klopp, where for me it was my favourite Lewandowski. A Lewandowski that was very involved in the play, that played as sort of a hybrid target man false nine and would bring, bring the band of um, attacking midfielders really into play behind him, either by collecting aerial balls on his chest or flick-ons or short passes. There's something that Lewandowski is really underrated, his ability to play passes, spot through balls, is technically he's a fantastic forward. In in terms of playing as a false nine or as a target man, he scored a hat full of goals for Borussia Dortmund. Probably the pinnacle was his four goals he scored against Real Madrid to get Borussia Dortmund to their first Champions League final in a good 10 years. In terms of what he did with the attackers as well, he, he, you know, he vacated the space to allow the likes of Shinji Kagawa, uh, Marco Royce, Mario Goethe to sort of become the striker and unlock defence. And that's why Borussia Dortmund was so good because they were fluid in that final third. But it was credit to Lewandowski to start counter-attacks, to bring these other players in, but also vacate that space. Moving on to uh, Pep Guardiola's Bayern Munich, Lewandowski moving from Borussia Dortmund for a free transfer. I was really upset. I was a massive fan of Borussia Dortmund in those days. Um, I was upset when, when uh, Mario Goethe left. I was upset when Matt Hummels left. Upset when uh, Gundogan, Sahin and obviously Lewandowski as well. Fantastic at Dortmund. In terms of what he did at Bayern Munich, his role massively changed. Obviously, with Pep Guardiola's system, it was all geared towards possession of the football. And quite frankly, I felt that left Lewandowski isolated. Lewandowski's best when there's players around him that he can play those short passes to, one-twos or, or the through balls. And when he's isolated in, this, in the Pep Guardiola system, he was just playing as a number nine. So quite often, he'd be him, the only player in the penalty area, or him, the only guy further up the pitch. And there'd be a lot of rotation in central midfield or to the inverted fullbacks deep. And he looked like a frustrated figure. And you could argue that potentially it didn't suit him at all playing in this Pep Guardiola system, similar to what's happening to Aguero. Um, Aguero is another player that quite likes to get involved in the build-up with the little short passes, and then he'll explode. He likes to touch the ball. He likes to get involved in the play. Um, you know, and the more that he plays himself in, similar to Lewandowski, the better he gets in a game. It was quite interesting the, that probably Lewandowski's best game under Pep Guardiola was the, the hat trick that he's the, sorry, the five goals that he scored within about eight, nine minutes of, of action against Wolfsburg. In fact, he was on the bench. In fact, Pep Guardiola dropped him for that game, but brought him on, obviously, because, um, you know, Bayern were very poor in that first half. But it was quite interesting that his best performance came when, in fact, Pep had dropped him. Similar to what's happened with Aguero. Aguero got dropped early on in the season for Gabriel Jesus. Now he's come back and he's scoring again. But it just didn't quite suit the, the Polish striker that... He was just away from everyone. It's quite, you know, a zonal system where the two wingers stay wide. Um, at Bayern Munich, you know, your Comans, your, your Costas, your, your Robins. Lewandowski through the middle and they're usually a midfield three of, you know, your Thiago, Vidal, Alonso. And he just looked a little bit isolated. And I feel like it wasn't his best football. So this season under Carlo Ancelotti, we're back to the old school Lewandowski. 
Bayern are back to playing long balls. They're back to playing the ball down the wide, uh, down to the wide areas, letting their wingers run at opponents. And that's where Lewandowski has done so well this season. You think of the, the goals that he scored against Arsenal. Um, fantastic movement, aerial ability in the box. Something that I think he needs to work on a little bit um, is his ability to, to score from headers, from crosses. He's good but he could be even better. He could be the best. And I feel he, could, you know, in the next few years, he will become the best. You think of target men where they really mature with their goal scoring a little bit later on. And that's what Lewandowski is. He's sort of this hybrid target man that's got really, really good feet. It's not like, you know, a big lad with a good touch. It's a big, big lad with an excellent touch, with an excellent technical ability. So what they're doing at um, Bayern Munich now this season under Ancelotti, yeah, they are involving a lot more. We saw the the goal that Thiago scored in the, the Champions League. How Lewandowski did drop deep, allowed a runner to get ahead of him, and a lovely flick with the the you know with his instep through to Thiago to finish home against Frankfurt. Lewandowski was back to his best. Um, you know, the first goal that Bayern scored was a lovely long ball up, a lovely pass out the back from Javier Martinez uh, to Lewandowski, flicked it onto Muller, Muller back across, and then Lewandowski finished it off. It's quite interesting what um, Ancelotti's been doing in recent weeks he's been playing Muller off Lemnowski in against the weaker teams could be an asset in the Champions League when they're they're chasing games Thiago uh, drops a little bit deeper next to Vidal basically Alonso is is switched out for for Thomas Muller and Thomas Muller this season although he's only scored two goals in the Bundesliga he's got 10 assists which and no players manage more so he's been quite good and I like the relationship with Lemnowski and Muller because it's similar to your your Kagawa um, Lewandowski relationship at Borussia Dortmund where Kagawa did get into that goal scoring position and did score goals but also got a lot of vital assists from being played through um, you know running through to the channels let's say through ball and then squaring it to Lewandowski and that was pretty much the goal that um, the, the first goal that Lewandowski scored at the weekend a great long ball from Javier Martinez flicked on Muller back across it was a simple goal but it was a very Ancelotti Bayern Munich goal it wasn't a Pep Guardiola-esque goal that you'd see against these weaker teams because it was more like break them down with the possession um, you know he did have that game where they did go long against Borussia Dortmund but that wasn't a frequent occurrence it was more slow pace build up um, and then you go to the, the the second goal a fantastic um, you know wide, bit of wide play from um, Ian Robin who again has been fantastic under Carlo Ancelotti whipped to the back post and it was a classic Lewandowski finish so for me Lewandowski is a, uh, you know, a player that in the penalty area will look to take a touch and then hit the ball. And it was classic Lewandowski, brilliant touch, bang, goal time. Um, you know, grabbing another two goals in the Bundesliga. Arguably should have scored his hat-trick as well, was played clean through, uh, just missing the target. But he is in red-hot form this season. So in terms of uh, the best best number nines I mentioned in world football, Gonzalo Higuain, Luis Suarez and uh, Lewandowski. How I sort of judge these players that are at the creme de la creme of world football is in the Champions League. And if they do their role in the Champions League, for example, they create chances, they complete final passes in the final third, or they win tackles, they're an elite player for me. You know, players like Gabby, who've consistently won tackles, made interceptions for Atletico Madrid, is an elite central midfielder. In terms of elite forwards, uh, of course, Messi Ronaldo, who I mentioned before. In fact, in the last four seasons, Lewandowski is ranked number three. So Ronaldo scored uh, 46 goals in the Champions League in, in the last four seasons. Messi at 35 and Lewandowski at 28, which is quality from a player. And you consider his form over the, the those seasons. He's been red hot in Europe, a number of hat-tricks, a number of braces, a number of goals in really important games. So for me, that's why Lewandowski is potentially the best number nine, because he's scoring goals in the most important tournament. If you consider assists as well, um, only Suarez out of the three that we're talking about, Higuain, Suarez and um, Lewandowski has got more assists. So Suarez over the last four seasons has got um, eight assists, Lewandowski six assists. But I'd still consider Lewandowski to be 
be the the best out of those three. But anyway, um, you know, tweet me at Statman Dave or get into the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Who is the best number nine in Europe right now? For me, it's Lewandowski for his all overall play. You know, his link up, his touch, his ability on the ball. He can be a target man. He can be a false nine. He can be a poacher. He can be absolutely everything. Which moves us on quite nicely to a player that has scored the perfect hat-trick this weekend. Another player that will be one of the best strikers, the best number nines in world football, and that is Mario Cardi. So, in terms of Inter Milan this season, they had a bit of a dodgy start. De Boer came in as manager, not given enough time to put his methods, and then they sacked him. Uh, a bit of chaos, uh, Milan around mid-table, and Pioli came in, ex-Lactia uh, manager. It's taken him a bit of time, but he's really got into firing. He's sort of turned them into his uh, Lazio side that were very... Um, good counter-attacking aggressive side and that's exactly what he's done so Pioli's into this season they set up in a 4-2-3-1 if you were if I were to liken it to any side it's quite like Unai Emery Sevilla where you have two very aggressive defensive midfielders with Eva Benega floating around doing what he does best which is drift into the channels and playmate from whichever area playmate from deep playmate from wide playmate from behind the striker so it's a very good system, the 4-2-3-1 that drops back to a 4-4-1-1 in defence. But the two central midfielders this season have been brilliant. Kondogbia has hit some really good form. Kondogbia at uh, Monaco, fantastic player. One of the best young central midfielders in world football. I was very disappointed when he moved to Serie A into Milan. He was quite poor, wasn't his usual rugged, aggressive self, you know, using his strength to shield players off and keep the ball. But that's what he's doing into Milan now. And his partner in uh, Gaglia Dini... Um, also signed from Atalanta in January, has been awesome. In terms of the game at the weekend, they played Atalanta. And those two players were fantastic at the base of midfield, destroying. Um, Kondogbia sat more um, in front of the back four, covered up, you know, cleaned up when uh, yeah, Atalanta broke on him, the, the rare times they did, um, and simply shipped the ball to either, either Benega or one of the centre-backs, um, you know, Gary Medell, to play forward. In terms of what um, Gagliardini did, he was brilliant. He was the guy jumping out of the system. You know, recently I've started to talk about players jumping out of the system, starting the press, and he was the guy doing that. If Eva Benega was sort of floating uh, in number 10, um, and then one of the Atalanta central midfielders brought it out, he'd jump. And a few times, you know, two of the... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Goals came from either Kondogbia jumping or uh, Gagliardini jumping. Gagliardini for the fifth goal, uh, a brilliant jump out of the fence, nicks the ball, plays it to uh, you know attacking player, they score a goal off that. Uh, the fourth goal, similar to that, Kondogbia jumps out the system, nicks the ball, forward pass and whatever. And those two have got a really good understanding, a very gr aggressive understanding. If one goes and presses, the other one holds and cleans up and just bullies people. And I really like the base of their midfield for Inter Milan in terms of up front. I mentioned before, Akadi, one of the best number nines in world football right now. 
scored the perfect hat-trick. One penalty, um, one goal from open play and one fantastic header from another Eva Benega cross. But what he was really doing and what he's done this season is really uh, catch teams that play high lines. And that's unfortunately what Atalanta did and, and why Inter you know, completely destroyed them. They played such a high line. Every time that Inter got the ball deep in midfield, they were looking for those balls over the top. In fact, Atalanta had more possession in the game, but Inter won the game 7-1. So it kind of shows you about European football and how you can, you know, obviously achieve massive things playing in a counter-attacking pressing system like Inter Milan. So in terms of the two wide players in the system as well, uh, Kandreva on the right-hand side plays as a winger, plays as a, you know, a crossing winger, uh, keeps holds his position but looks to whip those balls into the box. Probably got the best, one of the best deliveries in world football right now. It's up there with Koke at number one. On the other side, Perisic plays an interesting role, you know, plays as a second striker from that left-hand side like he's done through his career uh, with Ansaldi who overlaps. In terms of the defence, Pioli's got them set up in a really nice way where they almost operate like a back three. The left-back Ansaldi does push up, overlapping uh, Perisic, who usually comes inside. And De Ambrosso usually holds. He holds his position next to uh, Miranda, who sits in the middle, and uh, Gary Medal, who sits on the other side. And it's a very, very, very nice system. I was very, very impressed by Pioli's Inter Milan. And obviously the guy that is running everything is Eva Benega. What a performance he had against Atalanta. Um, created one goal, got an assist, uh, two dribbles, a hat-trick, four shots and five crosses. But more importantly, he was involved in every single goal. And you think of the first goal that Icardi scored, it was his free kick that was taken uh, that broke through the wall that Icardi put in. Uh, the second goal, um, another the penalty that was won, a really good ball. So Eva Benega drifted to the left wing, picked up the ball, a long ball up to Perisic who had joined Icardi, a flick on, Icardi goes through, taken out by the keeper. And the third goal, we're talking a short corner to either Benega, Benega cross, Icardi goal. He scores the fourth, the sixth and the seventh. And the fifth goal is an assist. Um, you know, in the transition, Benega pulling the ball across to uh, Gabriel Fantastic goal again. But Eva Benega, one of my favourite playmakers in world football, at Sevilla he did the same thing. He was just so good at drifting around the pitch. So good at drifting wide and playing through balls to attackers ahead of him or you know, dribbling past an opponent, going to the byline and crossing the ball. He's just a modern day playmaker, good at doing absolutely everything. If you want to have these short passes in central midfield, if you want to retain the possession, give it Benega, he's going to give it back to you. And I think that base of that midfield, those two powerful defensive midfielders with Eva Benega ahead of it, it's a model that works. It worked at Sevilla and again it's working at Inter Milan. Inter Milan are almost a German team. They play like a German team. They're, you know, the defence, when it drops back to the 4-4-1-1, they look to really quick breaks. They press at the right times. You know, the, the attackers, Kandreva, uh, Perisic, either Benega or the two central midfielders, champ, you know, nick the ball in the final third and then they break. They're so good to watch and they're probably one of my favourite teams right now uh, in European football. So make sure you go and check them out. And again, they ap absolutely destroyed Atalanta. Papa Gomez was probably the only Atalanta player that turned up. He had a number of good shots and He's all round a little playmaker and he's just a wonderful player and hopefully in some land pick him up because I'd love to see uh, Papu Gomez in that side. But anyway, that's enough about Pioli's Inter Milan. Again, go and check them out if you've not this season. Moving on to our final talking point, who should play up front for Manchester United against Chelsea? So I broke it broke to you in the news that Manchester United have got a striking problem. Ibrahimovic is out suspended, um, Wayne Rooney and Anthony Martial are both injured and of course Marcus Rashford is out ill. So who should play up front for Man United? So we're going to go through three different options. First up, potentially 
Throw Henrik Mkhitaryan through the middle. Mkhitaryan could play the role that Hazard played against Manchester City uh, in Mourinho's title-winning season when they went away to the Etihad and absolutely destroyed City. What Mkhitaryan could do, drift up the, off the, off the centre-halves, the three centre-backs that Chelsea have got, pick up the ball, turn and get the attacking players involved or you know play those simple passes. But overall, look to get the likes of Juan Mata and Jess Lingard in behind the back three of Chelsea. Potentially, that might not work, though, with Chelsea's three centre-backs. They could easily... Just just have one of their defenders coming out of their defence and picking up Henrik Mkhitaryan, dropping to a back two, um, and whichever defender steps out, maybe David Luiz, will just be an auxiliary defensive midfielder. So potentially that might not work, but I quite like the, the fluidity that I'd have if United are sitting really deep, looking to get Henrik Mkhitaryan going on the counter-attack, because we've seen a number of goals he's scored this season, very individual efforts that he's been taking players on and, and striking the ball home. Other options, potentially Jess Lingard, could play more of the number nine. Jess Lingard's best asset for me is his ability to run in behind and time his runs. Go back to the game against West Brom in the Premier League, um, playing on that right-hand side, ball over the top from Antonio Valencia, first time crossed as Latan. That could work if Jess Lingard starts centre runs to those wide areas and the likes of potentially Paul Pogba getting into the penalty area for the cross. So that could work, that could be quite interesting. But what United should do is go with Maro and Fellaini. Maro and Fellaini. He's going to have some fun. So this is why Maro and Fellaini should be the number t- nine for Manchester United um, against Chelsea. Firstly, Chelsea, uh, the back three have looked so good this season. You throw Marouane Fellaini up there, you're throwing a real aerial asset. In terms of the Premier League this season, Marouane Fellaini's won 79% of his aerial duels, which is absolutely fantastic. So if United want to go long to Marouane Fellaini to contest with the likes of Gary Cahill or David Luiz or even Aspilicueta, what I would do is I would instruct um, Marouane Fellaini to sort of sit on Aspilicueta sit on the Chelsea right centre-back. That's what he made his career at Everton doing, drifting to full-backs, sitting on them, uh, Everton pumping long balls to him, him bringing either his teammates into play or the knockdowns for teammates to run onto in the penalty area. And that's what Maran Fellaini should do. should just sit on, of course, Aspilicueta. In terms of um, the, you know, looking to stretch an opponent, getting in behind, obviously United are going to sit a little bit deeper. So they need a bit of pace to run in behind. So if you throw Jess Lingard on one side, uh, one matter on the other, those guys are constantly making those runs in behind. But also Henrik Mkhitaryan. Henrik Mkhitaryan off Maran Fellaini could be a recipe for real success. We've seen how Henrik Mkhitaryan has done so well at number 10 um, since playing there in a 4-2-3-1, which I feel United need to go to. What Mkhitaryan could do behind Maran Fellaini, if United go long to Maran Fellaini, Mkhitaryan for the knockdowns, to use his pace, to use his guile, to use his ability on the ball. You know, what Mkhitaryan's done so well is thread those through balls. And that's what he could do. He could sort of play as what Leon Osman used to do for Everton, playing off Maran Fellaini, coming in from that left wing. But as a number 10, just behind Maran Fellaini, United go long. Eight out of the 10 balls that United have played to Maran Fellaini in the Premier League this season, he's won them. Mkhitaryan jumps on that, uses his pace, uses his, his guile, his technical ability to create chances, score goals for Manchester United. For me, that is a recipe for success. You've got Matter on one side, Lingard the other to make that bank of four and you allow Mkhitaryan Maron Fellaini to counter-attack I really feel this is a game for Maron Fellaini to sort of get the fans on side Maron Fellaini is an asset for United if they use him correctly it's something that I argue my first ever expi- uh, appearance on YouTube was talking about Maron Fellaini to Manchester United and what I kept on saying was if United use Fellaini correctly like a number 10 like a false number 10 that Everton used him like um, as this hybrid target man attacking midfielder it'll be perfect but they haven't done that 
enough times yet. Under Mourinho, they've done that, but previously, um, you know, it was a plan B for Louis van Gaal's side, and David Moyes didn't know what he was doing with Marat Vlaine, even though he managed him for X amount of time. And that is why he should play as a number nine against Chelsea, sitting on Cesar Aspilicueta. But anyway, guys, uh, score prediction. I'm going to go 2 1 Manchester United uh, with uh, a Jess Lingard winner. Love scoring at the bridge. That beautiful bicycle kick he scored a few seasons ago. But anyway, let's finish off with some Champions League previews. First up, Juventus versus Porto. Juventus massively in control of this tie after their 2 1 2 0 win sorry, over in Portugal. The game was ruined in a way by a red card. Juventus took control of the game and I expect them to fully do that. What Juventus have done so well this season is keep the ball, is hold the ball in this new 4-2-3-1 system. But what they've also got in this system is they've got a lot of assets going forward. Think of Mario Mandzukic on the left wing, Quadrado on the right, Dybala's number 10. Dybala, in fact, was fantastic against AC Milan at the weekend. They played on Friday night. He created six chances in the game. That was, in fact, twice as many as the whole Milan team managed combined. He scored the penalty on the 97th minute, but looked hungry again. Looked like his control was back. In fact, uh, another interesting part of Juve's system against uh, AC Milan, they played uh, Dani Alves as a sort of right midfielder. And it kind of worked out. They had Licksteiner and Dani Alves on the same wing, almost like this double, double pivot of two fullbacks, similar to what Valencia used to do, uh, Unai Emery's Valencia used to do with um, Matuidi and Jordi Alba. Sorry, Mattia and Jordi Alba on that left-hand side. And that's what could be quite interesting for Inter. If they want to, you know, later on in the Champions League, when they want to be a little bit more defensive, throw two right-backs on that side that have got a good relationship together. Bang! Dani Alves grabbed himself an assist against AC Milan, a fantastic ball to Benatia. And Dani Alves has that ability almost, you know, a lot of his career did play as a right-winger for Barcelona getting forward. On the other side, they had Feza who came in, who had a good game, arguably should have scored probably twice, cutting into a stronger right foot from that left-hand side. But I imagine Mandzukic will be back in for this side and they'll be hanging those crosses up to the back post I can't see Porto getting back into this the shining hope can only be um, Andre Silva who's been very good who unfortunately got brought up after the red card in the first leg if he can get 90 minutes he could be a threat against Juventus but I'm fully going for a 3-0 Juventus win here moving on to the tie it's the really interesting one Leicester City versus Sevilla since that game in uh, Sevilla, Leicester City obviously winning both of their games 3-1 beating Liverpool and beating um, you know a resurgent Hull City under Marcus Silva and Leicester City look back to their best back to the 4-4-2 back to Okazaki playing against behind Jamie Vardy but more interestingly Riyad Mahrez scored a goal from open play the first time since April last year it's been an incredible run from Riyad Mahrez after his fantastic form at the start of the season but the goal he scored against uh, Hull City was a classic Mahrez goal a little bit of trickery a little bit of shot feints and then banging the ball home Sevilla have been so good this season, but they've recently come a little bit unstuck in La Liga. You know, they're out of the title race now, two consecutive draws. And I can't, I've got a feeling that Leicester City might do this here. This is their entire season. They've gone back to basics and DD's replaced Kante in midfield, playing a slightly different role, playing a little bit more aggressive role. Danny Drinkwater holding a little bit more. It's not as fluid as the Kante-Drinkwater relationship, but it's a good relationship in its own right. They're using Ndidi from set pieces. Those long throws up there could work against Sevilla, a very English-British tactic. Or Brighton's back into the side. I mentioned Okazaki before, his pressing has, has been so fundamental to Leicester's success. I've just got a feeling Leicester are going to do this. They're going to be, going to go 3-1. 3-1 Leicester, it's going to be 3-1, three times in a row for Leicester City. And they're going to get through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You heard it here first. But anyway, if you're new to the Statman Day football podcast, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, follow me on Twitter, check out the front three because the podcast will be dropping tonight and it's absolutely awesome. But anyway, guys, see you later. I'm off to Stamford Bridge to watch Manchester United versus Chelsea. Come on, United.